0: Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At At The the Bridge Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea Chelsea FC FC podcast. podcast, Although I would describe it as THE
1: Chelsea FC podcast.
2: It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. We hope you enjoyed the Friday episode with Ben Jacobs. And if you're joining us as a new listener due to the episode, then welcome aboard. We always appreciate your feedback. So if you wish to leave a five star review, that is truly appreciated as well. Uh, We do give shout outs for doing so. Right. It was a weekend of Premier League madness for sure. We will be breaking down both the Leicester game and our Champions League group. But first, guys, Bank Holiday weekend, in the UK anyway. Um, If yours was a Premier League player, who's it going to be?
0: Oh, that's that's an
2: unbelievable question.
0: One that I'm not prepared for. Um, (laughs) I'll go with uh, with Raheem Sterling. Oh, nice. Raheem Sterling. That's who I'm going to go for. Have you, got I, a, I, you need a reason <laughs> so the reason so I mean you know I played football yesterday I scored yesterday which never happens so like, I was like you know squ- uh, Sterling scored this weekend um, I've had a really good weekend actually so I feel like I'm like, quite happy I'm in form shall we say um, um, yeah just just, it's just been good so I'm just going to pick Sterling just love, cause why not love that shout Chris that's nice uh,
1: mine would be uh, James Milner, a little bit boring, but with a little bit of quality in there as well. Because I played football yesterday too, and I scored a hat trick. So, that's my uh, Chris, it's, not for the it's not a competition, it's it not a competition. It is a bit. It is a bit, and it. Although uh, you are a
0: midfielder, so. Exactly, and you know, I mean, to be fair, I did come and watch you, and I saw his hat and it was pretty good. But my goal was definitely much better.
2: <laughs> to, to be fair, <laughs> when I when I wrote when I wrote this out, I clearly didn't pay attention again because I put I bought a coffee cup, which is true. I did buy one today, so I'd be Lionel Messi when he was pictured drinking a coffee before a Champions League game. So because I've just made an absolute balls up there, I'll go with Mark Travers uh conceded nine he probably felt pretty shit i now feel pretty shit <laughs> so that's <is> appropriate <laughs> um right as custom whilst the window is open we hit the newsroom on a monday so we'll check in see what the latest is at stanford bridge We closed on Friday talking about the latest on Wesley Fafana. Then they only went and agreed a deal. Literally moments after we hit stop on the recording. Did I sulk? You're yeah, bloody right, I did. Uh, the fee is £69 million plus add-ons. Sure, some people were chuckling when that got agreed. Uh, how are you feeling about that deal? Pending medical. Uh, yeah, I'm,
0: I'm actually really happy because I think Wesley Fofana, um is a really, really good player. He's 21 now, if I'm not mistaken. Is he 21? Uh, I will check that, yeah, but go I think, ahead. I think, I think, yeah, I think he's 21. But yeah, so like, he's got a lot of potential. Um, I, I've been really impressed with him when he played. Like, he's been playing at Leicester, um, and I think Fafana, Tiago Thiago Silva, Culubali, that is that is a really really good back three. Um, that that is one that not many strikers will want to play against. So. I'm actually really happy. I think the fee actually in today's market isn't actually that bad when you really break it down. I think, obviously, it's still a ridiculous amount of money, but I think when you really break it down, I I think it is actually good value for money. Um, And I think it'd be a real great player to have around Stamford Bridge. So I'm happy and I'm glad the deal's been done.
2: Yeah, he is 21. And to be fair, considering we've seen our ex-rivals make an 85 million pound deal on the table for a player from the ever diversity which we've had experience ourselves of that going not quite to plan um yeah it looks a nice deal so far i mean chris what how how do you feel about it uh similar to birth really i mean
1: we've spoke a lot about the fee but then you see some of the other fees that are going around, especially in this window. Like you just said, Anthony to Man United for ridiculous money. That uh, Isaac, who's just gone to Newcastle for over 60 million. That's just mm-hmm. where the market's going on it. So I don't think the fee actually is is that bad. Um, and he's young, he can develop. It, hopefully, it's a, a sign that we've got like a progression plan for when Thiago Silva and Koulibaly, to be fair, start to start to move on because um, they're not getting any younger. So it's nice that we're bringing in players who can bed in now, learn off them and then be ready to sort of take over from them full time when they they give it up. So yeah. I think it's a good sign in. Um, I would have liked it to have been a bit cheaper,
2: but you know, <laughs> the market is what it is wouldn't we all love things to be a bit cheaper at the moment um, he, yeah. he, ha- he obviously Wesley has been flown to New York for an extensive medical some raised eyebrows as to why America but realistically it's probably so Todd Burley can have his own team of medical minds check that broken leg before signing off on such a major money deal however I like to think it is so they can fly him straight to LA for his unveiling at the Dodgers Stadium uh, yeah he- <laughs> We've all, every sign-in has to get the photo there, has to be done. In, in other news, Callum Hudson-Odoi, he's off to the Bundesliga on loan to join Bayer Leverkusen. There's no option to buy, which is good for us anyway. So we'll get to see him hopefully get first team minutes and maybe develop how we've seen other English players go to the Bundesliga and develop. Obviously, you think Jaden Sancho and Reese Oxford as well. He's... Um, Absolutely tearing it up in the Bundesliga, who used to play for West Ham. Ethan Ampadu, he's heading back to the Serie A to Spezia, potentially permanently, depends how that deal plays out. We're still not too sure at time recording. And Crystal Palace really want Conor Gallagher. And Chelsea seem to want Wilfred Zahar after having doubts over a deal for Bamian because that seems to have drawn on. Um, there's been reports this morning that the club have started discussions with his agent. Pinch of salt as always, but that kind of segues perfect to this question from listener Jesse Chang. Why is Wilfred Zaha always connected to Chelsea in every transfer window? um
0: I, I don't think it's necessarily just Chelsea. He's always been linked to the club in the Big Six. um he, it, He's obviously an amazing talent, Wilfred Zaha, so he's always going to be linked in some way. And he, he I think he is just too good for Crystal Palace. Um, I think the problem with Zaha, which a lot of people don't like, is that he comes across as very moody, very moany and whiny on the pitch. And, you know, some people may question his attitude, but I've always liked Wilford Zaha as a player. I think he's a fantastic player, electric pace, very skillful, and on his day, he, he really is um, so hard to defend against. He's He's got one more big move. And you may feel if he didn't move now, it may never happen for him. may always just be at Crystal Palace. So it's an interesting one. I always get the feeling of Zaha, though, that he always just wanted to stay at Crystal Palace. I know he's always moaned at people for speculating about him moving away, but he's always been quite loyal to Crystal Palace. Obviously, I know he moved to Man United years ago, but other than that, I, I think he's been very loyal, and which I respect, really do respect, but... Um, yeah, maybe he thinks it's time to move on now. And look, I'd I'd welcome at Stamford Bridge fee pending because I think uh, he's getting on a bit now. Would I pay seventy, eighty million for him? Probably not. But
2: yeah, he turns thirty this season in a couple of yeah. months, I believe, around November. I I would love that type of talent at our club, and he's always talked about playing in the Champions League. Which strange why he joined Man United, but they were in the Champions League at the time when he he was signed under Ferguson but I would love him. It, it just depends because I could easily see this being as part of a deal with Conor Gallagher. I, we'll touch on that later in the episode about Gallagher, but I, I just kind of feel that could be where it goes. Chris, Zaha, what do you think? Uh, I really like
1: Zaha. He, he's actually one of my favourite players to watch in the league. Um, my problem with Zaha is I'm not sure he's game suits a top six team. I I watched him at Anfield uh, this season for Palace and he scored a great goal. Really, really good finish. But when Crystal Palace was holding on at 1-1, every time they got the ball to him, he gave it away. And I don't think top teams, not necessarily all of them, but I don't think Chelsea for example, I don't think we Would like that. I don't think Tuchel would like that. The fact that he didn't relieve pressure for his team, he he kept trying to run players when he was outnumbered and just turning over possession. I'm not sure whether he'd get the license to play the way he does at Chelsea or any top team. Really, it's a bit like how Grealish has been at Man City. If you watch Grealish at Villa, he had licence to just play his own game. Whereas at Man City, he has to fit a system. He has to do what Pep wants him to do. And that's why his his output's been average at best. I think Zaha reminds me a lot of Grealish. So as much as I'd like him, and I do think it would be worth the risk if the fee was okay, but I'm with Berth. I, I wouldn't be going 60, 70, 80 million Not just because of his age, just because I think it's one of them transfers which could go either way.
2: That's I completely understand your point there. You never know with deadline day. There's always a surprise. There always is a surprise. Whether we'll be involved in that, who knows? Uh, Usually, when a team are looking for their first win of the season and they're rocking up to the bridge, it ends in a nightmare for us. After 28 minutes, my head was in my hands. Pain was incoming and then Raheem the Dream, he rescued us all from a nightmare. Two great goals, a 2-1 win. Much to discuss, but guys, what a response from going down to 10 men.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was like you, I, I feared the worst and uh, I found out we was down to 10 men. Um, I honestly thought he was going to lose that. But you know what? That's what we bought Raheem Sterling for. Um, big moments, he's always there at the right place at the right time. Um, I, I think his second goal was actually a really, really good team goal. There's a clip going around on Twitter at the minute where it was like, I think everyone had a touch of the ball, the passing was crisp, we moved it quickly. And then Sterling was there when, I think if it was any other attack, I don't think they would have been in that position. So that's what we pay the uh, the big money for. And you know what? It was a very, very good win and a good response to that Leeds performance. It, it wasn't a classic performance from Chelsea, it wasn't. But it didn't have to be after we went to, uh, down to ten men. So they showed great determination, great character, and Sterling. What a player!
1: Yeah, I, we've spoke a lot about this group's mentality, but the mentality against Leicester was really good. Uh, I thought that's really what got us the points—the the effort from the players and the the mental strength to not let the red card so early affect us was really really impressive actually from this group and then Sterling that goal that Sterling scored his second goal the first one a little bit of luck involved but you earn luck by having the shot in the first place Um, the second goal though is exactly the sort of goal that we all said Sterling would get those those are the areas Mm -hmm. which he's learnt to attack That's, that's the Guardiola effect of that's what he gets his wingers to do and Sterling's brought that over it's Exactly the sort of goals that I would expect Sterling to get a lot more of this season because he attacks areas so well. And you know, I know people, some people don't like tappings, but a goal's a goal at the end of the day. And oh yeah, hundred percent. Back Then if he can get ten more goals from three yards out, then I'd be happy with that. So
2: exactly, yes, yeah, I think yeah. the biggest
1: thing that came out of the game was was the mentality, though, of the players. I thought was was spot on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't care whether you score from two yards or from across in another city. If you score a goal from wherever you score it from, it's a goal and we win the game. Happy days. It's the main thing. Um, Thiago Silva, again, I love bringing up his name because, again, top class, as always. Rhys James, incredible. I mean, those two, Raheem Sterling was the man of the match, but those two stood out for me all game. What, What did you make of both of them? I mean, I think Thiago Silva is probably my favourite ever free signing that we've made. Um, he's just I, I turn, turned he, up, took the league by storm, and I still can't believe he's thirty-eight. Yeah, like it's a joke. He's thirty-eight and still arguably in the top
0: three centre backs in the league. I mean, he's he's a joke. He makes the game look so easy. Never like people moan about, oh, he may not have the legs anymore. I think he does have the legs. I, I think he's just really, really good. Um, it. So good at reading the game. His mentality, his composure, everything about him is just so good. And the fans absolutely adore him. Um, but Rhys James, I mean, he's the other person that I picked out. Rhys James, for me, is the best right-back in the world at the minute. I, I think I think Trent is a better footballer than Rhys James. But if you go him by being just a, solely a right-back or a right-wing-back, I think Rhys James is clear. And I, I don't actually think it's that
2: close at the minute. I, I think he has Trent. both parts to his game the offense and the defense. He that's the best part. I mean, like defensively, he's he, he's never out of position.
0: His tackling's really good. He's strong. He's quick. There's no faults to his game at the minute. And going forward, the ball into Raheem Sterling was just pinpoint bang on the money. And if Trent had done that, people would be going, Oh, look how good a footballer Trent is. No one says that about Rhys James, but he, he, he is crossing. He's second to none. He's honestly the best fullback, well, best right back, sorry, in the world at the moment. I honestly believe that, and yeah, I may be a tiny bit biased, but I think hmm. it's hard to argue. I think it's really hard to argue at the minute because he's so good and just he's. I I thought like he, he's injured a fair bit last year, but I thought he could have been up there for power of the season. But this oh, year, if yeah. he carries on going the way he is, I, I think he'll be our player of the season this year.
2: Yeah, and I still could see a potential future captain position for oh, yeah it. really good. definitely, could, definitely. You know. uh, Chris Thiago Silva and Rhys James I mean we've spoke about Thiago Silva so much I don't I think we've
1: run out of words to describe him. I still think he's really underrated outside of Chelsea. Like mm-hmm. hmm. when when you when when you watch when you hear pundits and not talking about Chelsea they're always talking about Thiago Silva like he's some sort of weakness but He isn't. He's the one who holds that, who holds that entire back line together, if anything. And to come into the Premier League at his age and do what he's done, I I can't believe he doesn't get more credit than he does. Uh, I think if he was at Man United or if he was at Liverpool, I think he'd be getting, I, I think he'd be in team of the year. I think last season he would have been in team of the year if he played for Liverpool. But because he played for us, he didn't. And that's what annoys me a bit, the fact that, they don't look at what a player's contribution. They just look at like where a team finished. So if you've got a team that finishes fourth, they're not really going to get players in team of the year. But Thiago Silva deserved to be in there last year. And if he keeps playing the way he has this year, he'll he'll deserve to be in there this year because he's been incredible so far this season. And I can't see any reason why he can't carry that on all season. And the fact that he's 38, I don't think really makes a difference because he's not playing anywhere near like a 38-year-old Well how you'd expect a 38-year-old to play. yeah. And then Reese James, I agree with everything Berth just said. I think I think he's hands down the best right-back in the league. Uh, the, I don't think there's a debate to have about whether he's the right, best right-back in the Premier League. Uh, the cross for Sterling was incredible. I think the one thing James has to add to his game would be consistency with his crosses. I think he's got an incredible cross on him, but only one in eight. I think he'll, for every good cross that he'll put in, he'll put in five or six bad ones. And I think if he can add a bit more consistency to that end of his game, I think that's why Trent gets so much credit because it, the biggest thing Trent has with his crosses is they're very consistent. He very rarely puts a bad ball in, but he can't defend for shit. So if you're talking as a right back, I'd rather have Reese James, who, yeah, he might put the occasional bad cross in but he can defend as well. And I think that's what puts, sets James aside, the fact that he can defend as well as he can attack.
2: Mm, I think that's very fair. I mean, another solid performance again from Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I mean, if he can keep those up, I, I can't see him being dropped often. Wow, great to see as well after that injury. Fantastic. Mason Mount, however, for me, needs to sort his game out soon, a- a- ASAP almost. He, to me, this is might be bit controversial. I don't feel it is, but he's been kind of awful this season so far. I mean, I didn't even realise he was on the pitch against Leicester because he was just so invisible and it's such a shame because he was our player of the season last year. Where where's that gone? I don't know. I don't know if you want to add anything before we go on to the the defence part of this. Look at the end of the mount that
0: I think you saw it last year in the Euros. It almost feels like he's just been playing week in and week out every single game for the past three years. Maybe just a bit burnt out. I don't mm. know. Obviously, his form has dropped off a bit. I still think he's. we play a lot worse when he's not in the team. I think I still think he's arguably our best player going forward. The um, form is temporary, class is permanent. That I was saying. Does he maybe, maybe he needs a bit of time on the bench. I don't know. I'm not one of these fans that should go, he's rubbish, he's terrible, not playing at all because that's just ridiculous and people who don't rate Mason Mount are brain dead and don't know football um, because he's an unbelievable player. You don't become player of the season two years in a row for nothing. You don't be our top scorer for nothing. You know, know, the slander he gets is ridiculous. But yeah, he's, he's out of form at the minute. I'm sure he'll pick up soon. He's not the only one that's out of form. Havertz is the same. You know, you can argue like Maybe Jorginho is the same. I don't know. A few players dropped. Mendy. Um, But I back them all the way. Like like I said, former temporary class is permanent. So, he'll
1: bounce back. Chris? Um, I actually worry about Mount this season because I I do think there's a burnout element to it. I think you're absolutely right there, Berth. I think he's played so many games and he plays such a high intensity. He's a bit like similar to Canto, really, they play full throttle mm. every game. So if they play 60 games a season for three years, they're going to suffer at some point from from accumulative fatigue. So I do think there's an element of that. I, 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 I don't think he's a forward. I think that's what it boils down to. And I think the issue that Mount will always have is if you play in a front three, You will always be judged mainly on numbers. It doesn't matter what else you do in a game. People will judge you on how many goals and assists you have. You look at someone like Salah, for example. Mason Mount is a better footballer than Mo Salah. But Salah is just goals. So he's judged and rated so highly because he gets so many goals, which is what people judge forwards on. Whereas I think Mount is a better all-round player and contributes more to the team, but that doesn't translate into numbers. And I think that's where the criticism comes from. Mm. He's he's a midfielder. He is he's a number eight in a in a midfield three. That's that's what Mount's best position is because there he won't be judged solely on numbers and a lot of the good work that he does for the team won't go as unnoticed because it'll be part of his job. But I think if you're playing him as an inside forward, like he has been, people are looking at you just to create stuff. And I don't think that's the strongest part of his game. Uh, So I do worry about him this year because I think if his numbers don't improve, which I I don't see the ability in him to improve his numbers massively, I think he could be one who drops out depending on what signings we make. And that would be a shame because I think it would boil down more to the fact that he's just not being played in the right place.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, on the, the defence of this, uh, for the back line, I also want to point out, I hope people can see why we're bringing in Wesley Fafana because for all the love that we've given Trevor Chalobah, he can be far too hot and cold. For everything great he does, he does something a bit foolish. It's a shame. And he's a great squad player for now. But if he sorts out those errors, because he's still a young, up-and-coming, growing player, you know, he will become a first-team regular, which is what we want to see. And, you know, we're also kind of relying on Aspilicueta if we get one centre-back injury without Fafana. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we, we definitely need that defensive reinforcement. With the red card for Connor, this kind of felt to me... Like a moment which will define whether he stays or goes out on loan or maybe permanently before the deadline, and I did say it prior, and I, I will still stand by it. I'm going to call it now and say he will go out on loan because I just I'll, I'll probably be wrong. Good, but it's just what I expect. It's not what I want to happen, but you know that can't be said enough. But you know the overall situation was just terrible. Play, you know, he shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Yes. And that is the Kante spot, as we call it, in our corner tactics. And he's been punished from that spot before. That's Kante. But, you know, when I watch Connor, I just kind of worry because he's so desperate to prove himself that he kind of overplays nearly everything. And he's such a talent and he's got it there. And I don't want to see him exiled for this. And I'll bring you two in on this, but I'll bring up Thomas Tuckle. He weren't in a forgiving mood. Because after the the game, he said you can't make the second challenge if you have a yellow card after 20 or 25 minutes. The challenge was a clear yellow, and it gave us a huge disadvantage. There was no reason to make the decision. He's responsible for what he did, and of course, he knows it was a huge mistake. Red card, Conor Gallagher, wh- where are you at with this? Um, I felt really bad for him, to be honest. It. I thought the
0: first one was probably a bit harsh but the second one there's absolutely no doubt that that was the other card um, Tuchel is right he can't he can't be so naive into doing that and he has to he has to man-manage the game a lot better um, and it's it's a difficult one because you do feel that like if he hadn't had a red card and he'd won the game you'd feel like okay maybe he's got a real good future at Chelsea but that red card you do just think now can Tuckle trust him? And look, I think Conor Gallagher is a really, really good player. Great talent. I'm sure Tuckle thinks the same. But at the same time, can Tuckle now trust him to play in these big games and really he yeah. let us down in the big moments? Um, now, one red card shouldn't shouldn't affect that. But at the same time, he's got to learn, um, and he's at a big club. He has to be better. That's the thing, better tactically. So I don't know. Uh, I think that's almost like the final final nail in the coffin for uh, for Gallagher. I honestly think he'll go out on loan. Now and potentially may not play for Chelsea again. Um, which I I want him at Chelsea, but I think that this may have just been the final straw. Um, and he he may not play for us again. I hope I'm wrong. I hope
2: I'm wrong. But agreed,
0: agreed. Yeah, I um I think he may have just um. What? Made a big mistake and, and not not going to play for Chelsea again.
2: Where are you thinking this, Chris? Um, I think Gallagher,
1: to be honest with you, was let down a lot by senior members of the team and the coaching stuff. If you're on a yellow card, which everyone knew he was, why is he the person who's staying back on the halfway line for a corner? Mm. You know for a fact that that, that might get to a point where he has to foul the man. Now I understand what Tuckles saying about you can't make that challenge if you're on a yellow card, and that would be the case, sure, if that was just a normal middle of the park challenge. I would agree completely, but he is last man. So, although there was players on the recovery, if he doesn't make that foul and he just pulls out the challenge and lets the lad run through and score, then what's Tucker saying? Because it. it mm. That that whole the whole corner routine, and I don't think this comes from Tuchel because we've we've been doing it for for years before him. This whoever is in charge of that decision to when we have a corner, we only leave one person on the halfway line is a moron. Because how many times do we have to get caught doing it before we stop? Kante got caught against Arsenal when he slipped to Martinelli went through and scored. Jorginho got caught against Man United when he tried to bring the ball down and Sancho nicked it off him and he scored Gallagher's been sent off because of it why are we continuing to do something that doesn't work it's a ridiculous decision and and an even more ludicrous decision to leave the player who's already been booked in that position. So I actually really feel sorry for Gallagher because I think he was let down by more senior people who should have took responsibility there and thought we can't leave him on the halfway line by himself if he's on a booking. Mm. Um, from Gallagher's point of view though, if if Gallagher's going to keep being played where he is, I think it's best for him to leave because I don't see the point. If, if you took Kai Havertz and you put him in centre mid in a double pivot, and he kept getting caught out defensively. No one would say anything because apparently he's a striker who would be playing centre-mid. But let's face it, Havertz isn't a striker. He's an attacking midfielder, which is exactly what Conor Gallagher is. Conor Gallagher's played as an attacking midfielder his entire career, and now he's being asked to play in a double pivot that just doesn't suit his game. So, The fact that he's getting criticised for not being able to do stuff that a double pivot player should be able to do is ridiculous because he's not one. He's an attacking midfielder. He has to play in a three. And if you're not going to play a midfield three, get rid of him because there's there's no point in him being there. If you're going to play him in that position, there is no point in him being in the squad. You might as well get rid of him and get someone in who can do that role because at the minute, he he will waste a whole year of his career at, at us playing a role that he can't do.
2: I think it's because many times, we all say about FIFA, that hasn't helped. <laughs> but also the fact that we think a defender, a mi- less so defenders, but more midfielders, is very generic term. There's still people that think N'Golo Kante plays defensive midfield. That's not yeah. really his role. But I understand where people seem to to unfortunately assume that. I think that applies to Gallagher. Oh, we'll put him in a midfield. Well, he's look at palace. He played further up, not further back. And it dramatically impacts the game. Would the likes of the, you think of the legends you could put, you could probably put Zidane and Perlow anywhere and they'd be world-class. But if they were out of position, they're not going to perform at their best. Hopefully we'll see him flourish at Chelsea. But again, you never know. The window is still open. We shall see when it comes to Friday, when we're back together. Uh, moving to the Champions League, last Thursday we were drawing to a Group E alongside Milan, Red Bull, Salzburg and Dino Zagreb. I did ask you last week, guys, to define the draw in a sentence, but now the floor is all yours. What was your proper first impression of that draw? Um, it's. I think it's a really
0: good draw. I don't think it could have gone much better. Um, I, I think AC Milan, like I said, on Friday was probably our toughest game, but I think even so, I think we're too strong for AC Milan um, and then Dynamo Zagreb and who's the other one Dynamo Zagreb and uh, who's RB, other two? RB Salzburg RB, RB AC Milan Salzburg. and Zagreb yeah that's it that's it um, I, I do just think we should have no problems finishing top obviously this is Chelsea so no doubt we'll mess up somewhere but I, hmm. I just think if, if we don't finish top I, I think that's a real that's a real problem for us Um. Uh, you know, so I, I think anything less than first base in that group is uh, is a
2: real disappointment, to be honest. I think that's completely fair. Chris, do you feel the same?
1: Yeah, completely agree. But I, I don't trust us to finish top, if I'm honest. I, no, no, because, no, no, no.
2: What a shame that we have these what,
1: reservations. It depends what form we're in because um, on paper, we are the strongest team in that group. And by some distance. Um similar have a, have a good side. They have a good sort of pragmatic side, I would say. They're, they're good at what they do, but they haven't got loads of strings to their bow. So if you can figure out a way to, to beat their main plan, they don't have a lot of other options. So we should, we should comfortably win this group. I don't trust that we will, but I... We should and I think if any- anything but first place would be a disappointment. It's The fact that it's been condensed a bit more this year I, I don't think helps either because if you're in bad form the games come around a lot quicker whereas normally you have like two weeks between each game and I don't think it's like that this year. I think it's only a week because they're trying to get it done before the World Cup. So that, that will play its part if we're not in better form by the time it starts.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah I can sort of see where you're coming from I mean Thomas Tuckle overall should be happy with the draw because we avoided the potential group of death scenarios and that's always a victory in context and and looking at the group I would say we would certainly be backing ourselves to edge out Milan to qualify as group winners I know there's obviously we're nervous which is understandable there's also some nice narrative potential with the Milan game because you got for Tomore, Olivier Giroud. Prime to return to Stamford Bridge. Thiago Silva returned to the San Siro, and they will be our toughest opponents, most likely. I'm confident we should top the group. I mean, the key games are going to be our double header with Milan. We know that, and whoever gets the maximum points gets top spot. But my eyes do look toward RB Salzburg. You know, they have a relatively recent history of being quite competitive in this Champions League group stages, and if there are any stumbles those two matches in england and austria will be huge i mean any any fears of salzburg or do you think we've got enough in the tank
0: um look i'm, I'm fearful of all of them even dynamo Zagreb, like, they're going away from home against them that will be difficult they're all difficult games but i think we are just too strong Um like i said i'd be disappointed if we don't beat salzburg home and away but again, away from home, it's going to be a really, really tough game. Um, same with Dynamo Zagreb, same with AC Milan. So it's Chelsea. They it really all depends on what what Chelsea turn up. But I think we're too good for for all of them, really.
1: Yeah, I think the home games will be key. I I can't see us dropping many points in the home games. Um, and really, I think if you can if you can get seven points out of your home games. You should you should go through then because you'd expect us to pick up one win either away at or or in Zagreb. So I, I do think we'll go through. I, I don't think all the games will be comfortable though. I, I mean I wouldn't expect any of the games to be comfortable, to be honest. So I think it will be one of them groups where all the score lines are quite close. Um
2: mm. but you know, as long as we get through, I really don't care. In twenty twenty one season, they Finished third in a group with Bayern, Atletico and Locomotive Moscow. Last season, they got to the round of 16 where Bayern infamously won 8-2 on aggregate. Their group last year was Lille, Sevilla and Wolfsburg. That Look, Salzburg may not have Adeyemi, but they do have Sesko and he's always a threat in the air and an overall top up and coming player and he'll be going to Leipzig, obviously. Uh, pay attention as well to Noah akofor as well because he tormented Italy in the World Cup qualifying. So I'm I'm keeping an eye that because he could pose a threat. He always he really could. I mean when it when it comes to the group as a whole, more is expected of Milan obviously this season because last season Mike Mannion their keeper missed half the group stage, and then they obviously their team went to another level in the spring when they got Pierre Kalulu when he kind of emerged onto the scene and he was key to their Serie A title. Now their squad's much deeper in terms of talent as well than last season. You know, one signing being Charles de Quetelet, you know, he's one to watch and I was quite excited about him potentially coming to the Premier League, but obviously he's gone to the Serie A. So that's going to be, we'll see him face up for sure in the group stage, you know, and he himself has three seasons worth of experience in the competition. Then you come to Dinamo Zagreb. Now, they have all I got for facts on on them at the moment is oldest manager in the competition this year. Uh, the big name player to watch is obviously Orsic. Um, but look, with all respect, we should be beating Zagreb in both games. you know. But hey, they knocked out Spurs in the Europa League a few years ago. I don't know if you remember that, guys. Didn't Orsic get... A that game as well. I th- I think he did. He was ridiculously yeah. good in that game. I, mm. I I mean, they don't have Danny Olmo anymore, so yeah. No, he was no. he was he was a talent. He still is. Wow. Uh, right, the fun part. Who who are you most looking forward to seeing playing against Chelsea, like player wise?
0: I think Orsic is an interesting one because he. I think he scored a really good against West Ham last year in the Europa League. I am not mistaken. Mm. And um, uh, he just, yes, I think so. Yeah. And he, you just sort of see clips of him. You think he, he looks a real talent, but you never, obviously, because Donald was aggravated, you don't really see them much on TV or whatever. So it, it'll be an interesting to one to look out for. I think Tamora is the one that I'm most interested in seeing, just because, I mean, I don't watch much Syria. Um, so it would interest interesting to see how he really has developed.
2: Um, yeah. Um, everyone's so ha- really excited for him. And yeah. I'm just sort of I mean, thinking he's going to be so. Up for this game, yeah. you just know I mean, he'll deliver.
0: That that's the thing. that I mean, I was a big fan of him when he was at Chelsea. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much he's progressed and how well he's actually going to play against us. Will he be phased? You know, it's going to be really interesting to see that. Obviously, it'll be nice to see Giroud as well. But I think tomorrow is the one that I really am looking out for, just to see how good he really is now. And what we really have missed out on.
2: Mm, I mean, Giroud scored an absolute yeah, really good goal,
0: Yeah, you just class, just class. His highlight
2: reel, Is highlight reel of
0: goals is second to none. Oh like, yeah, I think it's ridiculous. What a guy! What I mean, a
2: guy. I've got to, I've got to do my bit of plugging of America here. But MLS, Raf, Ravel Morrison scored an absolute screamer the weekend for DC. Yes, yeah, I, I saw oh, that. Loved, so, loved yeah. it, loved it. But Chris, which players or player are you looking forward to seeing playing against us? uh
1: Tamori I am interested in like Berth said um raphael probably because mm. he's uh obviously he has been linked with us over the past week or so that deal won't happen but um he's been really good really good last season for AC Milan but I do have I I have when the news broke about us being interested I did say that I'm not overly convinced that he's the finished article yet in terms of coming to the premier league so it will be interesting to see how he plays against us because that could be a good indicator as to whether it would be a move worth pursuing maybe next summer if he has two good games against us then maybe you know he's showing that he is ready for for premier league football but it, it will be interesting to see because he could he, he could quite easily be one of them games that shows him up for not quite being Developed as much as people think at the moment, but he is a huge talent. So I am quite looking forward to seeing him, and a little bit worried about him. I'll, I'll be honest with you; I'm more worried about Giroud because, as we seen against Atletico Madrid, he is capable of just winning a game out of nothing. So he'll be one to watch definitely.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I I had the same name down Raphaël for me because how will our defense cope with his pace? You know, and it's not just pace; he's got quick thinking. He's got. I hate to do comparisons, but it reminds me so much of the hazard ability of just getting past several players at once. One quick movement and he's up the field. And then you've got that threat. He could get cross into the box and you could be 1-0, 2-0 down just by how quick his mind goes. It, he is such a talent and he was good at Lille. He went to Milan, obviously. And he, I think he struggled to adapt at first and then he obviously picked up the pace and now he's a Serie A title champion. So, And you see the fee being touted, I think, 70-80 and then it was 120. It's just, wow. Money doesn't make sense for anyone at the moment in football. But its it could almost be an audition, as we say. If he shows his ability against Chelsea, then we'd be probably more than likely to maybe consider that bid i mean you never know we, us as fans i think when it comes to the finances we do kind of buckle when we see oh, 80 million or but the market doesn't make any sense at the moment you know we've said about anthony for 85 you know and then all of a sudden you look at your own deals and think oh we've actually got a good deal here look at cucarella 50 oh that's not bad yeah but yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be. I'm looking forward to it, and I think the group stages they kick off really soon because of the World Cup, don't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's the sixth, sixth and seventh for the first games or something yeah, like that. Yeah,
2: it's it's very soon. I kind of forget that the fall and autumn season is quickly upon us. So uh, let me have. a... Is it West Ham this weekend? It is Zagreb next Tuesday, quarter to six in Croatia. So. Oh, that'd be a good one. Yeah, and then the week after it's Salzburg. Yeah, the group stage really is quickly done this season. Probably again because of the World Cup. Wow. Mm. That's going to be interesting. We'll see. see. That'll be a good game to uh, look forward to. We've got a game tomorrow obviously against Southampton. So that'll be reviewed on friday uh with that obviously we've come to the end of another episode of at the bridge pod so you can find us on twitter and instagram if you do not really follow us at at the bridge pod it's what you need to search for um we'll be back friday to discuss deadline day with any any surprises or oh, can't wait to see what future our future us uh, how we react to that when we sign uh Kylian mbappe um so yeah till then that is us signing off